Speed. 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 Okay, let's do our clap. Three, two, one. Getting better. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to A Film Slate of Mind. I am your host, the Wizard of Wild Track, Toby Cook, joined as ever by the man who keeps Super King cigarettes in business with his films, Aaron Massey. Was on. <laughs> <laughs> and the man who is rewarded for all his hard work in the film industry by having toilet seats ripped off and thrown at him while he's on holiday, Jack Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's gone. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Good evening. Try to keep you all on your toes. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, um, yeah, pretty good. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, can't complain. Life's trundling along. And as ever, we are joined. I will give you some advice here, guys. A silent man is easily reputed wise. A man who suffers none to see him in the common jostle and undress of life easily gathers round him a mysterious veil of unknown sanctity. Men honour him for a saint. The unknown is always wonderful. Please welcome with me, Vice President of Podcast, Dale Cheney. Hey. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Hear ye, hear ye. They're getting longer each week, Dale. Like, they every are. time I try and find a silent man quote, it just gets longer each time. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome again once more to Film State of Mind. Last time, Film State of Mind? Is that right? Film, yeah. Film Slate of Mind. <laughs> <laughs> Episode okay. three gets the title wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, please, moving on. Welcome once again to a film slate of mind. We are your uh, ragtag bunch of misfits, as always. And we are going to, this week, we've now left university, we've left our masters. We are now going to take you into our first fledgling steps into the industry. We are baby birds escaping the nest, taking our first tremulous flight. And this is our story. But first, has anything interesting happened in the news, film news for anyone this week? Um, straight in there. Uh, well, I've heard Please. of something that kind of links to Esther. Because oh, yeah? <clears throat> have you any of you seen the film Split by M. Night Bits Shyamalan? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but I haven't they, actually. No. Basically, that character has DID, dis- dissociative identity di- disorder, and that's basically the disorder that Will's character has in Esther. And mm. I read last week that um, there was a, like a petition to take it off streaming sites because of its representation of DID, dis- really? dissociative identity disorder. Yeah, because they betray oh. betray the, the the disorder as if whoever's got it is going to be violent and a criminal and i immediately uh, was just thinking well in esther he's quite violent <laughs> 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 and I, was, I said to my mate tom i was like i hope they don't cancel esther <laughs> so yeah well, i mean they could redo split with you know him taking his meds and having a fairly mundane life but it wouldn't be that interesting would it that's the thing you i know. think that's the argument people were saying but i just thought it, it was quite a interesting link to esther because mm. obviously the the disorder we should definitely yeah, have definitely. a chat about that going down like the portrayal of mental disorder on screen you know 
yeah. mental disorders in general because one of the things you always get and i mean this is in tv shows but tourette's it's always in tv shows it's always swearing mm. but tourette's like fairly often isn't swearing at all you know this, this it's just thing we, the, yeah t- the, like the, but this is the thing is like when I, w- I was writing esther during the ma i was told by one of my le- well one of our lecturers to do a lot of research so i started mm. reading a lot of books about it but like it's just it's one of those things where you obviously have to do your research but like you were saying with these sort of disorders he could just be taking his meds and going about his daily life that's not an interesting Mm -hmm. story but then that's when you bring in violence and it's like is that the only story that you can tell in these sort of films so yeah interesting discussion that we can have down the line yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I want to continue it now, but we, we actually have other things to talk about this week. So, um, stay tuned, listeners. We'll be back on that uh, if we get a second series. You know, if we even get yeah. to the end of this series, you know. Yeah. There's a tenuous offer. We'll do another film. Uh, anybody, anybody else for anybody else? If you don't, then I'll just cut it out, so it's fine. Not necessarily news from the past week, but a new um, series has just been uploaded onto Netflix, and it's called Homemade. And it's mm. this one season, I think, I'm not sure how many episodes there are, but it's a load of, it's a montage of short films which creators have produced during the quarantine period. Yeah, And I've just started good. watching that before hopping on this with you guys and anywhere from like five to 20 minutes. And it, yeah, it's really, really like creative and innovative and shows mm. you can still, you know, put out some proper good creations despite all these yeah i think i think a lot of places are now starting to pick up on i know short films have been a big thing but like during like isolation and quarantine and stuff these sort of things have been picked up a lot more because that like online short film festivals have become a massive thing so Mm. but yeah yeah exactly it's pretty cool i mean this is the yeah it's really interesting on the subject of kind of quarantine things so by the way future listeners there was this thing called the lockdown which we are currently in. <laughs> uh, that's all you need to know about that. Um, <laughs> and I've been watching a thing uh, with my parents called Staged, I think it is. It's uh, Michael Sheen and David Tennant and a director, and they're putting together a play, and it's all done through Skype Zoom calls. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And David Tennant in, the, in this plays a very kind of exaggerated, self-involved version of himself, which is amazing watching it because having met him, He's the most down-to-earth man I ever met in the industry. He's so polite and friendly and happy. And, you know, he's exactly like, you know, that whole don't meet your heroes. He's exactly yeah. like you want your heroes to be. And you're like, oh, my God, you're actually nice as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's really funny watching him kind of, you know, have the balls almost to kind of, you know, ramp it up and go, this is what I potentially might be like, you know? Mm. Yeah, you, you, were people will me, watch you, you were telling me about this series like a few weeks mm. ago. That actually sounds really interesting. It's really funny, and it's, I mean, it's all 15-minute episodes, and it's just so addictive. You'll end up watching, you know, I don't know how many there are. I was about to say 20. There's not 20 episodes. You can't watch 20, but, you know, like, you know, six or seven. Excellent. So, 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 let's go back in time. Let's get into our TARDIS, um, or DeLorean, or some other famous TV slash film time machine. Not that I can think of one. Anybody got one? Hot tub, Hot tub. there we go, Hot thank tub. you. <laughs> Straight in there. Let's go. <laughs> um, two, we've just left university. We're about to go into the industry. 
Uh, I'll kick us off here, so I'll tell you my kind of progression. So I left uni, came back up to Kent, uh, moved in with my parents, started contacting any, literally anybody I knew for freelance jobs, um, whilst emailing every post-production house in Soho and London. Soho is in London, but London generally, but Soho especially, because that's where all the sound houses are. Um, and I, at one point I had, I spent, I sent a hundred emails in one day, all kind of, hello, are there any opportunities? Here's my work. This is why I want to work with you. And they were all individually tailored. Uh, yeah. It was crazy. And around that time I got to do some freelance work. I did an interview with John McDonnell, which involved a, which was very easy. If you ever, if you ever want to see someone put on a radio mic quickly, give a radio mic to a politician. Because they're so used to doing it. He did, like, I went, I just have to mic you up. And he just took it off me and it was on. And he was right, like, there we go, level check, good. And I was just like, oh, my God, that was scary. He's <laughs> <laughs> definitely done that a few times. Yeah, exactly, speed hands. Um, and, it, yeah, it was all good fun. The only problem with that interview was we were doing it around Parliament Square. And there was a guy playing the bagpipes for the entire shoot. And I, kept, I like, made eyes, you know when you make eyes, uh, director, like, there's a noise in the background, there's a noise. And, you know, he can't interrupt if he's giving you a spiel about, you know, the Labour Party's policies. So she kind of sidles over and shuts the window. And I was like, okay, good. And then I could still hear it. I'm like, what the hell? And I kind of eventually worked out it was coming through the chimney. So oh, really? <laughs> you could hear the back, yeah, the back <laughs> It was echoing around the chimney, uh, like some sort of like mad Scottish Santa Claus. Sounds and, like um, a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> mad yes, Scottish Santa Claus. I love it. <laughs> um... And I also, I was really worried at the time in the edit that people would think that I thought John McDonnell was from Scotland. So I'd put a subtle backpipe tune under all his answers. <laughs> he's not, he's born in Liverpool. So I was like, okay, nobody think this. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was, that was the probably highlight of my freelancing career. And then I eventually got a few job interviews and started working as a runner in Jungle Studios, lovely post-production house in Soho. And then that basically takes me up from then point on so yeah started working as a runner i'm going to tell you more about that i think in the future i think we should have a special episode all about running and why it's the best profession yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a whole episode is pretty generous <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe half an episode i know that i could definitely moan about being a runner for an entire episode um, <laughs> i think most of us can though but it's it's like one of the entry level positions so you can't mm. you can't complain too much but obviously you've got to suck it up sometimes yeah i think when you're actually doing it you can't complain yeah uh, but what once you've been a runner and you've then gone to the next level i think you're well within your rights to moan about being a runner because everybody knows being a runner yeah. is crap yeah. you know and it is it's like you weed out the people who don't want to work in this industry yeah exactly. if they really don't want to do it they won't be a runner they'll just give up you know yeah they won't last so, long enough definitely no um so yeah like i think once you've done it like i'm very happy to moan about it yeah. <laughs> also you know, i'm not in the industry anymore so i can just be like it's all rubbish you like, license <laughs> to moan about running yeah exactly um but that's me up until that point now i went into the post-production route jack let's let's shoot to you because you went full-on production didn't you what happened in your intrepid tale um well i think it was during it was around a similar sort of time we were shooting esther maybe it was during post or pre-production, but it was in that time frame, and I got contacted via the first AD we had on Esther. His uncle is a mm. location manager for a German production company, which is based in 
wait for it, Munich, Berlin, and Newquay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Frankfurt, and, and Frankfurt. <laughs> and Frankfurt, apparently. That's, oh, that's where it's oh, founded, so just good. to get that in there. <laughs> yeah. yep. You messed up the main one, Jack. Yeah, <laughs> I was more focused on the, like, the random. No, no, I haven't done my research on my own bloody. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I got offered to do five weeks of work on this German feature, taking up a role as location assistant, and I had no idea what that role was, but I, yeah, just said yes, and then made a plan to. It kind of started pre-production for that shoot in which I was involved in happened I think about a fortnight after we finished the MA mm. um, but in between those two weeks I went to 2-4 in Plymouth and did some uh, cast producing and some logging for a couple shows I think it was Italian cookery school cookery school or cooking school not quite sure but um, yeah that was really really exciting <laughs> No, it wasn't. It was a long week. Uh, and um, uh, that what's fortnight worse, went... What's that worse? What's fortnight... worse? Logging or being a runner? Logging, because I prefer to be outside and moving. Yeah, I was going to say, okay. like, logging is quite a long task. <laughs> yeah. As much as it's, it's a necessity, because obviously you get the best shots out of it, but it's, it's just, yeah, it's long. It definitely That's suits true. people which prefer working in a, you know, isolated area. Yeah, yeah underground on their own. So oh, this after, <laughs> yeah, after two four, I think yeah, a week after, I actually went down and stayed at yours, Aaron, for five weeks. Yes, you did. And five yeah. weeks. Yeah, he stayed on the floor. <laughs> I felt really bad because we were like in the process of like moving house and decorating, and we didn't have a spare bed. So we made like a makeshift bed on the floor with like cushions and stuff. Oh, a nest. You made yourself a jack nest. Hey, it did the job. And yeah. your dad was very generous. I had no overheads. So I just took the sofa and just cracked on with it. I thought it would be five weeks, but it will go quickly. So yeah, it was, went. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Um, so went into, I don't know how much detail you want me to go into it, but... So I went and met this guy called Paul and he'd been in the industry and locations for quite a while. I'd, I'd say 10, 15 years. Um, and whoever was going to be my first boss in the industry, I was going to think was the dog's <laughs> <laughs> So is that sweater? Does that count? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll bleep it. <laughs> sweater. Sweater. <laughs> And okay. at the time, all, this also links in with Dale, because Dale also joined this production as well, but I'll let him, he can talk about that. And, yeah, I mean, basically, yeah, went on to my first feature film, five weeks in the location department, and it was a good entry, yeah, a good entry point to the industry pretty soon mm. after. Yeah, it's, it's really true what you say about the first person you meet. Um more industry professional you think is amazing like it's like oh i've met spielberg you know <laughs> like the Spiel like when i worked um so when i met john and um i thought he was the greatest cameraman i'd ever met you know i was just like oh my god he's so amazing and then you actually like work on other stuff and you're like no he's not that <laughs> he's good but he's 
Like, oh my god, stop dangling off stuff, would you? <laughs> like... Yeah, <laughs> stop dangling up. See, I worked with him before. He was, he was, it was quite a fun shoot, to be fair. But yeah, mm. he wasn't on camera though. He was more directing, like from like a, a trailer because it was a live stream thing. <clears throat> oh yeah, didn't but... you do some live streaming, Jack? Yeah, I worked for a, a company which one of their main forms of content was through streaming and that was called silver stream tv based in plymouth mm. um that was a it was like a work experience placement during the ma mm. i don't know if that was a week or a fortnight oh yeah of course it was yeah yeah went up to xl in london and olympia and went around and filmed a load of talking headshots with lin um industry leaders in like the creative sector mm. um and yeah, then that went through to our camera truck, which had like a live feed and it broadcasted the live stream on a projector to everybody in the building. Yeah. But nice. That's yeah, pretty Fair. cool. So as you, as you've alluded to, so that like by this point, so that, that takes you up to six months, doesn't it? You're still working with this production company. I know, I, I know, I realized I just said, like you said, I stayed there five weeks. And I was like, and that brings you up to six months. <laughs> <laughs> Let's round it up half a year. <laughs> no, but okay, so you're working for this production company. Did you go anywhere else afterwards, or did you just keep working on these films for the rest of the year? Um, so. After that film, they they only they only really their production period for they do five features a year they produce, and they normally start shooting from April all the way through to the end of October, mm. which is about seven and a half eight months give or take. So during that six months track, six months, yeah. Well, you've just buggered up, and now you've just <laughs> earned it back. <laughs> anyway, so during this winter period, I had off. Mm. I moved to Bristol to look for some more secure film or TV work with only one credit in the bag. And I was going to, I got offered a job as a production assistant and camera trainee for a production company, which produced uh, kitchen commercials. And I was going to take that. And then I got told, I got asked to come back and do five more films for the Germans in Cornwall. So that's where I did the U-turn, went to Cornwall, and I spent seven months there. That was in, This was two years ago. Yeah. And, yeah, so that that takes us to about a year after the MA. Okay, awesome. Uh, I've got a quick question here. What, how, not why, that sounds really insulting, but how did you keep getting offered these jobs? Like, I mean, what were you doing that was getting you in the, the foot of the door here? Um... It's a good question. I mean, I've always been quite hard working, but I wouldn't say I I didn't think I was doing like a I don't know, a spectacular job at the time. And then it's just it's just hard work and persistence and putting up with the long hours. Yeah. Um and then they they asked me back, so I just keep doing the same thing. And okay. Yeah, I think it's a bit of luck and persistence. So are they mentioning you to other people? Is that how you get offered these other places? Or are you still sending CVs out? It's a, it's a mixture of both. Um, mm. It's kind of, you need to go off and do dailies on different productions. Mm. So then you won't get 
mentioned in the credit, you won't have been on the production long enough to learn. But in that day or two, it's purely for networking. And then from there, uh, once you get dailies, you network there. They remember your face. And after enough pestering, for want of a better word, yeah, you end absolutely. up getting future work. And that's, that's networking is the beauty of it. Yeah. And yeah. speaking of your network, one of our very close friends happens to be in your network and has joined you on this adventure. Dale, how do you fit into this? Well, uh, where to begin? So it's, it's quite funny in that the person I was back then to how I am now, I look back and there was an indecision that I suffered from. I was always in, like indecisive at the best of times. And I remember Jack throwing this job opportunity around the MA cohort. So uh, I had a project out in Prague uh, that I needed to go to. Um, so at first, um, I figured, like, you know, it stopped me from getting the job. But needless to say, Jack followed up with a direct message to me personally and said, well, the office is a new key. Surely you're going to apply for it. So I did. And, you know, I guess I just got lucky. Um, I'm the mm. first to admit that on the MA, I mean, I went for production because I knew that the contracts were longer. I thought if I get into producing or, you know, in, in the office, it'd mean longer contracts. And I'm not the most technically, technically minded when it comes to filmmaking. And uh, I'm, uh, you might say I'm proof that you don't need the technical side of things to kind of ride your luck, shall we say. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it, it's sticking your toe in the door, isn't it? I mean, I, I remember when you and me were texting each other around this time because you were working in the props office, I believe, or the loca- or just the office, the office runner, I think. Yeah, that's right. And so I that was, film, yeah. Yeah, and I was the I was working as a runner in post production, which is a de- very different kettle to fit kettle to fish, very different kettle of fish to uh, the a production runner, because uh, in post production you are just making coffees and being like a waitress, you know, waiter, you know, anything. And like um, the tea, what's the um, I can't remember, it was tea boy, I think it was called in the old days in studios. But I remember texting Dale just being like, what am I doing? What has this got to do with the industry? Why have I, why have I learned to make yeah. a cappuccino? You know? And I remember Dale, actually, to be fair, give you credit for this. You were like, yeah, but you know, keep bearing in mind it will pay off in the long run if you do this or if you go down this route. You know? So I think that's really that's an important thing to bear in mind is having these friends around you is if you know your friend is in the industry. Like Jack, you did with Dale, like, go for this job. Or if you know your mate's a bit like, oh, I'm feeling a bit down about this remind them why they're doing it because it's kind of hard to sometimes you lose sight of it yourself yeah definitely hmm. so aaron now I'll kind of draw it on to you so like you i remember you saying you took a year out after the masters yeah i i kind of decided to take a year out because not only was the masters a bit stressful and all that but um i my my dad was planning on moving house and we were decorating the house so I, I kind of wanted to stay around to help him out because I just I felt I needed to and um hmm. so I just I made the conscious decision just to make like take a year off um that's not to say I wasn't working I was still planning music videos and short films and stuff during that time um hmm. and it, like I, I eventually made some of those things and they're now starting to pay off but um hmm. yeah I, I just I I decided just to take a year off just to sort of obviously help my dad, but really think what do I want from this industry? And I was talking to Jack about it um, earlier. Like 
oh, it's, all, it's all these things that I've planned are now starting to pay off. Hmm. But it's not only that, it's that I'm now really wanting to get into the industry properly on on productions. Um, so yeah. it's just about getting myself out there. But that's just that's what I'm doing at the minute. Like during the yeah. six to twelve months after the MA, I was planning my own sort of music videos, short films, mm. and stuff like that. I think that's interesting. Like the thing that I find very interesting about that is the kind of the well, two parts is that one this having a career in this industry is all encompassing like you need to know you're in a good position to go into it if you know what I mean mm. like so i i actually recently uh not too recently sorry like before my current job had a interview at a different post-production house and at the time i knew i had scheduled two surgeries and things like that and i said i just don't think i can commit to this as much as i know i need to commit to this you know yeah and it's not like other jobs where not so much other jobs that you're keen on but like so let's say you just got a random job you know like a you know not a coffee job but you know like some sort of office job that you know pays the bills mm. if you're there then you're like well i've got to have surgery then i know i can have that whereas if you're going into the film industry you have to kind of go well everything else in my life takes a back seat you know and yeah. it's whatever works for you in that regard if you want to commit to it fully then that's great yeah. but if you know you can't i mean that's one of the reasons that you know i'm now out if you know what I mean mm. is because I know I can't commit all the time anymore that I used to yeah I just don't I frankly I don't want to anymore and, you know mm. so I do other stuff yeah. but I think that's really interesting that you had that year out to kind of go okay I need to get myself in the best possible way in order to do that yeah well I think as well as like because I knew that I wasn't personally gonna be living where I was so I didn't see any need to sort of work in the industry just to up and root it within a year anyway. So I just thought I'll put that on the back burner and just get my own personal portfolio looking good to mm. now like a year or year and a half later start getting myself out there. But yeah, it, it was, it was a tough decision because obviously I, I left the MA and I was like, I want to get into the industry, mm. but I, I kind of needed to do it because I just wanted to help my dad out as well. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting as well, the kind of difference, like, you know, having that kind of moment. It's a tough decision, but it's hard, and I want to go straight into the industry, but it's different. Yeah. Um, whereas I went full on straight in, and, I mean, look at me, I burned out in three years, you know? Mm. There's, there's a common, there is a common worry with people, um, yeah, there's a common worry that younger people just graduating or aspiring to get into the industry early on, that it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a rat race and a bit of a rush when really it, there's, there isn't any immediate rush to get into the industry. I know people that are, you know, double the age of us that just started out, say, last mm. year. And, mm. you know, they're more than happy doing that. And the problem, you've got lots of pros and cons. And one of the cons about this industry is once you hop onto a job, it does take up, it takes up a lot of your life yeah. until the weekends. I mean, production dependent but yeah kudos to both of you as well for toby you realizing you know it might be a little bit too much and you want to dedicate your time <laughs> realizing to other I'm things a, yeah realizing i'm a wimp i just can't take it <laughs> <laughs> i need my and sleep then aaron for the opposite yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely cool but it's just a brief point about we're finding out how there are disadvantages to the industry and the fixed term contracts don't provide the security 
and like there's always that fear because you're always mm. dedicated there's always that fear if you like you said about the surgery like i know jack injured his ribs and he'll remember because he was trying to surf and weightlift, and suddenly he did something in his side and he was unable to do the work and he kept quiet about it in the fear that you know yeah. he wouldn't be able to keep the job and obviously he still had two films to go and there's a week recovery time in between but you know if he kept on he could have been out a month um so it's just it's just knowing that you know like you say like there's always that kind of it looming over you you know you, you give up a lot you give up a lot um and i think it's about mindfulness to know you know if you do need a break if it's long term short term but just walking yeah. away when you need to absolutely i absolutely agree with all of that definitely yeah <clears throat> yeah it's looking after yourself that's really important like you know it's funny how we've already got to this kind of like you know this episode ostensibly started off as like let's just talk about what we did after uni but i mean it's we've narrowed straight in on the most important part straight away which is quite good is that you can't make money you can't progress in the industry you can't do anything if you burn out and lose your desire for the industry you know yeah it's not worth it <laughs> like really i mean isn't. look look at what happened to me in the sense you know i did a freelance job after i after i lost my last job and uh, in the industry i did a freelance job and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I couldn't. I couldn't edit audio to, you know, save my life. I just couldn't stand it, and that's because I was burned out. So I mean, it's really kind of ramming home. You know, it gets quite serious. We'll get back to the silly rubbish about cats and boats and bagpipes down chimneys, <laughs> but really importantly, really, really important to all this is just please look after yourself because you can't do yeah. anything if you burn out. You know, at the end of the day, it's all about your mental health, and mm. like you say, if if you're not in it because you're just you're burnt out or whatever like you're not enjoying it and you just want to take take your time to sort of just have your like your own time and then come back to it when you when you want to and when you feel like you mm. can get back into it because yeah. the film industry at the end of the day isn't going anywhere so i'm sure you'll be able to work your way back in whatever whatever however yeah. way you can i'm so glad i've got that on audio the film industry Why? is a go I'm going to just play that on loop if the entire industry collapses. Oh no! Don't do that if it does collapse. Which I don't think yeah. it will. Whilst, no, I don't. Toby, whilst Toby uses it that way, I'll listen to it every night and go to sleep. <laughs> okay, well, this is the thing. I'm like, I... a bit creepy. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Yeah, I do agree that you need to take care of yourself. Obviously. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean. Now we've got the serious point out of the way. We're kind of we are as ever cresting towards the final moments of this episode. God, that sounded really grim. But we're <laughs> towards the final moments of this episode. So let's let's go through. Like so, especially I, mean, I don't mean to exclude you here, Aaron. But you know, we worked within the industry post production first six months. What was a moment when you were on set or in your first job where you went, "Oh wow, that's how you do it here"? Like you know, that's your first eye opening moment. Does anybody have one of those going in? Is it, Jack, See, is, it, is it a good time to talk about the hounds and the cream cakes and be like, oh, this is what you do off camera? <laughs> yeah, you take it away, Dale. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, on this first uh, production me and Jack worked on, um, even though I worked in the office, occasionally I would help out on set. And, uh, you know, as always, budget constraints. 
So we were told that uh, you they weren't they didn't have any fresh cream cakes to replace what was on this table from the art department. And we had actual hounds, not dogs, but hounds you'd use in a hunt. And me and Jack were placed in front of this table and told, don't let, it, let a hound buy you. So they release this pack of hounds across this lawn, all the essays, the supporting artists around. And we're like bracing ourselves, you know. And then I look behind me and you've got the props master, the construction guy, the art director, all nibbling on the scones you can't see at the back, out of shot, laughing away, seeing us braced in front of this table. And then you realise, you know, what's behind the magic. <laughs> <laughs> this is the moment we reach. That's um, really what goes on behind the scenes. <laughs> actually, Aaron, actually, I do actually, actually, I, Aaron, I want to bring you out of this because I want you to tell me a story of a shoot you did in France where a certain director, what did he tell you to go and get down at the beach? Uh, bear in mind, <laughs> me and the guy that were on this shoot, we were uh, about 17, 18 um but like <clears throat> we we both had our canon cameras and we were like raring to go and the director just turns to us and goes right get out there on the beach and get some tna and we were like what and he goes tits and ass me and, like, <laughs> me and my mate we were like 17 18 year olds <laughs> we were like yeah let's go <laughs> <laughs> But then in hindsight, we're like, actually, that's very weird. <laughs> yeah, like, go and perv on people a, for a camera. Be, like, doing that. <laughs> yeah, but B, surely there's a legal issue there, like because we have to like uh, obviously ask these people if they want to be on camera. But he was like, nah, just get out there and do it. We we're like, all right, all right, we'll do it. But yeah, well, I, I just pic- I can just picture a French man in his French accent saying. Welcome to the industry, boys. Yeah. Oh, God, no. no it's getting seen in, in his trailer just coming out. Because like, it was sponsored by Corona, the, the beer, not what's going on. But the, the Corona. The beer. <laughs> <laughs> it was I love that idea. Corona. They did the and publicity. It, they led the groundwork. Yeah. <laughs> but it, like, we literally had a trailer. And like, I could just have this image of this French guy coming out with a Corona in hand. Like, go get some TNA. And like, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I had a, on a shoot, a uh, very early shoot, well, the freelance ones I actually did during the MA. We were at uh, Mainporf Beach, which is a beach in Cornwall. And we were in the caves doing like a cave scene. And I remember the AD came in at one point and just went, tide's coming in in five minutes. And we kind of looked at it. Like, these are like caves that when the tide comes in, they're completely submerged. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so we're, we're now going to leave. This is dangerous. You know, we've got all the talent. We've got all the gear in here. I've got like 7,000 mixers and a boom pole. Um, because at that point I still wasn't allowed to rent a 633 so I had to use a recorder a mixer and a small a boat seri- yeah <laughs> a small boat that would have been useful <laughs> yeah. in this situation just get in the boat and be like I'm off lad see you later like, um, but yeah I remember he came in and the director went okay so we don't have long okay another take and then uh, we kept doing it we kept take, like I think we got to take 10 and the guy was like you're still not giving me the, quite the emotion i want and i could see the water coming in the back of the cave and i was like I- i'll give the emotion you want you know i'll put give me the costume i'll do it, like, give it to me. i'm terrified ah like you know <laughs> and that was a that was a bit of an eye-opening moment but then that was um countenance uh, sorry countered by one of my favorite ever moments in film is that i left the cave traumatized and 
this small child came up with his family. His small kid came up and was like, hey, mister, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, we're shooting a film about uh, pirates and vampires. He went, oh, that's so cool. And ran off and I was like, yes. Yes, it is, little buddy. <laughs> I'll see you in the film industry. I made some yes. to come. <laughs> How would you like to be a boom op? Yeah. <laughs> Here, bonding. take this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, yeah, uh, that's all I kind of, you know, sort of story. Yeah, please. Sorry, it's, fu- it's funny you, you said that. There was... Um... One of the, there's another German feature, it was sometime last year, whether Dale helps fill the gaps here, but we were shooting down on, um, I think it was, I think it was just Fistral. Yeah, yeah, it was Fistral. And we had got the unit base by, you know where Stable is, and the uh, beach bar, Fistral bar I mean, I do, but I don't know if the listeners do, Jack. Okay, well, it's, the head, it's like the headland, it's near, it's not very far away from where Boardmasters is held. That's a good way to describe That's it. That's a good way to describe it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, it is one of the most popular festivals in the UK. Here's the sponsorship, lads. <laughs> right on Dale's doorstep. Anyway, <laughs> so we had, we had a crew of, yeah, there's about 40, 40 guys, so 30 Germans, 10 English. That could be the title of a new British comedy, couldn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> or a really weird porno. <laughs> oh god! So you saying ten English <laughs> composure? So they were walking down. We all going. <laughs> Sorry, so we're all going on. down to the beach, and it was at a point where we were, we probably only had an hour's worth of shooting time until the tide came in. So naturally, they wanted to take the camera out. It was a red, and they wanted to take the camera out right up to knee height, so all the DOPs and camera ops were lifting up, like, rolling up their jeans. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God! Quick, we'll just do the socials. We'll do the socials now. We'll put the socials in. You can finish your stories after the socials. This podcast is available on many providers such as Google and Spotify. If you'd like to email us, our address is filmslateofmind at hotmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at filmslateofmind, where you can keep up to date with us for details about our latest episodes and uploads to YouTube. Podcast edited by the friendly neighborhood Sandy, CT himself, Toby Cook. Music hastily cobbled together by the same man. <laughs> Either, either way, they had like they had a really long talking scene, and me and the, the unit manager at the time, um, a friend of mine called Tom, he um, was constantly reminding the director in the first that you have not got time to shoot this scene, the tide's coming in, and they would constantly reply saying, no, no, we'll be quick, we'll be quick. Long story short, an hour went past, and the water was going up to hip height, and they, could, you know, they were starting to worry about the equipment and not having full focus with the cast and actually, like, the, the tech jobs that they had to do. So they had to cut the scene short, and then everybody started running into the beach with all the kit, and everyone, yeah. the people that were already sat further up the beach because they didn't need to be so close to set, they were coming into the water to collect the kit and then running back with them. Hmm. <laughs> so instead of doing two trips, it just... It's, I mean, it's, it's risky it's, shooting it's, on a beach. Yeah, it's but it's, it's that idea, isn't it, that, you know, like, tides, nature itself... 
is not free of the whims of a director. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the tide mm. ends now. Oh, we're about to drown. Great. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and um, directors, you know, if they're shooting in towns and if it's stopping traffic or pedestrians or asking businesses to do this, that or the other, they can have some form of authority mm. over that with a cheesy grin or even money. Not with the elements. <laughs> not with Mother Nature. Yeah. No, not with there's Mother no, Nature. Not there's no contending nature. with the will of Poseidon. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, oh, it's a I, actually another beach story. I mic'd an actor up once, and I remember saying to the AD, like, "Okay, he's not going in the sea, is he? Because I haven't waterproofed the mic, and I don't, really don't want that mic to break." Anyway, no, I'll be fine. First scene, other pirate, and then the director yells off camera, "Don't worry about the sound. Throw him in the sea." And I was just like, "Oh, <laughs> come on!" No, and on my headphones, all I heard was, uh, and I was like, okay, that's that mic done. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, it was disastrous. But, got to give the director credit, did look cool. <laughs> and I didn't like the actor much, so it was quite funny seeing him thrown in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you got to get over there. But anyway... I think that should uh, draw us a close. If there's a top tip we can take from this episode, we haven't done many top tips. We've done one main one. Look after your mental health. Second one is don't fight the sea. Respect the sea. The sea is, you know, something to be respected in the film industry. Um, <laughs> it's a kind of ropey one, but we'll do it. But anyway, this has been a film slate of mind. Please keep listening to these. I, I need to stop saying that because it's so needy. Yeah, <laughs> please, please keep listening please, to guys, us. Please, please. Yeah. <laughs> Every little <Yes>, helps. <laughs> just sir, just keep refreshing the YouTube page so that our views go up. <laughs> After this, we'll have the YouTube tab open. Just did, 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 yeah, yeah, absolutely. All night. Refresh, 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 refresh. We do um, it four times every 10 seconds for the whole night. <laughs> there you go. Think of all the money we make. Um, <laughs> anyway this has yeah. been a film slate of mind thank you so much for listening please get in contact let us know if you enjoyed the episode let us know any experience you've had any moments your eyes were open to the magic behind the camera as Jack said We'd love to read them out thank you for listening from Aaron it's a uh... laters Jack give me a see ya Dale please round us out give me more no sorry that didn't work <laughs> that's it no you're done you're done that's the end no, no, that's the what end of the was episode. that what was that oh, I don't know it was something I heard earlier I was like I'm saving that for later <laughs> that's it you're done Dale that's your that, we're done we're done boys end recording that was too perfect I got it all wrong I got it all wrong <laughs>